Chapter Five of In the Schoolroom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. In the Schoolroom by John S. Hart. Chapter Five, on observing a proper order in the development of the mental faculties. Education may be defined to be the process of developing in due order and proportion all the good and desirable parts of human nature. On this point all educators are substantially agreed. Another truth, to which there is a general theoretical assent, is that, in the order in which we develop the faculties, we should follow the leadings of nature, cultivating in childhood those faculties which seem most naturally to flourish in childish years, and reserving for maturer years the cultivation of those faculties which in the order of nature do not show much vigor until near the age of manhood and which require for their full development a general ripening of all the other powers the development of a human being is in some respects like that of a plant there is one stage of growth suitable for the appearance and maturity of the leaf another for the flower a third for the fruit and still a fourth for the perfected and ripened seed the analogy has, of course, many limitations. In the human plant, for instance, one class of faculties, after maturing, does not disappear in order to make place for another class, as the flower disappears before there can be fruit, nor, again, is any class of faculties wanting altogether until the season for their development and maturity. The faculties all exist together, leaf, flower, fruit, and seed, at the same time, but each has its own best time for ripening. While these principles have received the general assent of educators, there has been a wide divergence among them, as to some of the practical applications. Which faculties do most naturally ripen early in life, and which late in life? According to my own observation, the latest of the human powers in maturing, as it is the most consummate, is the judgment. Next in the order of maturity, and next also in majesty and excellence, is the reasoning power. Reason is ministered to the judgment furnishing to the latter materials for its action, as all the other powers, memory, fancy, imagination, and so forth, are ministers to reason, and supply it with its materials. The reasoning power lacks true vigor and muscle. The judgment is little to be relied upon, until we approach manhood. Nature withholds from these faculties an earlier development, for the very reason, apparently, that they can ordinarily have but scanty materials for action, until after the efflorescence of the other faculties. The mind must first be well filled with knowledge, which the other faculties have gathered and stored, before reason and judgment can have full scope for action. Going to the other end of the scale, I have as little doubt that the earliest of all the faculties to bud and blossom is the memory. Children not only commit to memory with ease, but they take actual pleasure in it. Tasks, under which the grown-up man recoils and reels, the child will assume with light heart, and execute without fatigue. Committing to memory, which is repulsive drudgery to the man, is the easiest of all tasks to the child. More than this, the things fixed in the memory of childhood are seldom forgotten. Things learned later in life not only are learned with greater difficulty, but more rapidly disappear. I recall instantly and without effort texts of scripture, hymns, catechisms, rules of grammar and arithmetic, and scraps of poetry and of classic authors, with which I became familiar when a boy. But it is a labor of Hercules for me to repeat by memory anything acquired since attaining the age of manhood. The Creator seems to have arranged an order in the natural development of the faculties for this very purpose, 
that in childhood and youth we may be chiefly occupied with the accumulation of materials in our intellectual storehouse now to reverse this process to occupy the immature mind of childhood chiefly with the cultivation of faculties which are of later growth and actually to put shackles and restraints upon the memory nicknaming and ridiculing all memorator exercises as parrot performances is to ignore one of the primary facts of human nature it is to be wiser than god another faculty that shoots up into full growth in the very morning and springtime of life is faith i speak here of course not of religious belief but of that faculty of the human mind which leads a child to believe instinctively whatever is told him that we all do thus believe until by slow and painful experience we learn to do otherwise needs no demonstration everybody's experience attests to the fact it is equally plain that the existence and maturity of this faculty in early childhood is a most wise and beneficent provision of nature how slow and tedious would be the first steps in knowledge were the child born as some teachers seem trying to make him a skeptic that is with a mind which refuses to receive anything as true except what it has first proved by experience and reason on the contrary how much is the acquisition of knowledge expedited during these years of helplessness and dependency by the spontaneous instinctive faith of childhood the same infinite wisdom and love which in the order of nature provide for the helpless infant a father and mother to care for it provide also in the constitution of the infant's mind that instinctive principle or power of faith which alone makes the father and mother's love efficacious towards its intellectual growth and development of what use were parents or teachers in instructing a child which required proof of every statement the father mother or teacher gives how cruel to force the confiding young heart into premature skepticism by compelling him to hunt up reasons for everything when he has reasons to him all sufficient in the fact that father mother or teacher told him so it may seem trifling to dwell so long upon these elementary points yet there are widespread plans of education which violate every principle here laid down educators and systems of education enjoying the highest popularity seem to have adopted the theory at least they tacitly act upon the theory that the first faculty of the mind to be developed is the reasoning power indeed they are not far from asserting that the whole business of education consists in the cultivation of this power and they bend accordingly their main energies upon training young children to go through certain processes of reasoning so called they require a child to prove everything before receiving it as true to reason out a rule for himself for every process in arithmetic or grammar to demonstrate the multiplication table before daring to use it or to commit it to memory if indeed they do not forbid entirely its being committed to memory as too parrot-like and mechanical to commit blindly to memory precious forms of truth which the wise and good have hived for the use of the race is pooed at as old fogeyish to receive as true anything which the child cannot fathom and which he has not discovered or demonstrated for himself is denounced as slavish all authority in teaching growing out of the age and the reputed wisdom of the teacher all faith and reverence in the learner growing out of a sense of his ignorance and dependence are discarded and the frightened stripling is continually wrapped on the knuckles if he does not at every step show the truth of his allegations by what is called a course of reasoning children reason of course they should be encouraged and taught to reason no teacher who is wise will neglect this part of a child's intellectual powers but he will not consider this the season for its main normal development he will hold this subject for the present subordinate to many others moreover 
the methods of reasoning which he does adopt will be of a peculiar kind suited to the nature of childhood the results being mainly intuitional rather than the fruits of formal logic to oblige a young child to go through a formal syllogistic statement in every step in elementary arithmetic for instance is simply absurd it makes nothing plain to a child's mind which was not plain before on the contrary it often makes a muddle of what had been perfectly clear what was in the clear sunlight of intuition is now in a haze through the intervening medium of logical terms and forms through which he is obliged to look at it a primary teacher asks her class this question if i can buy six marbles with one penny how many marbles can i buy with five pennies a bright boy who should promptly answer thirty would be sharply rebuked little eight-year-old solon on the next bench has been better trained than that with stately and solemn enunciation he delivers himself of a performance somewhat of this sort if i can buy six marbles with one penny how many marbles can i buy with five pennies answer i can buy five times as many marbles with five pennies as i can buy with one penny if therefore i can buy six marbles with one penny i can buy five times as many marbles with five pennies and five times six marbles are thirty marbles therefore if i can buy six marbles with one penny i can buy thirty marbles with five pennies and this is termed reasoning and to train children by forced and artificial processes to go through such a rigmarole of words is recommended as a means of cultivating their reasoning power and of improving their power of expression it is not pretended that children by such a process become more expert in reasoning on the contrary their movements as ready reckoners are retarded by it instead of learning to jump at once to the conclusion lightning-like by a sort of intuitional process which is the very essence of an expert accountant they learn laboriously to stay their marches by cumbersome and confusing circumlocution of words and the expenditure of time and toil needed to acquire these formalities of expression which nine times out of ten are to those young minds the mere dicta magistri is justified on the grounds that the children if not learning arithmetic are learning to reason let me not be misunderstood i do not advocate the disuse of explanations let teachers explain let children give explanations let the rationale of the various processes through which the child goes receive a certain amount of attention but the extreme into which some are now going in primary education is that of giving too much time to explanation and to theory and too little to practice we reverse too the order of nature in this matter what it now takes weeks and months to make clear to the immature understanding is apprehended at a later day with ease and delight at the very first statement there is a clear and consistent philosophy underlying this whole matter it is simply this in the healthy and natural order of development in educating a young mind theory should follow practice not precede it children learn the practice of arithmetic very young they take to it naturally and learn it easily and become very rapidly expert practical accountants but the science of arithmetic is quite another matter and should not be forced upon them until a much later stage in their advancement to have a really correct apprehension of the principle of decimal notation for instance to understand that it is purely arbitrary and that we might in the same way take any other number than ten as the base of a numerical scale that we might increase for instance by fives or eights or nines or twelves just as well as by tens all this requires considerable maturity of intellect and some subtlety of reasoning indeed i doubt whether many of the pretentious scholiasts who insist so much on young children giving the rationale of everything 
have themselves ever yet made an ultimate analysis of the first step in arithmetical notation many of them would open their eyes were you to tell them for instance that the number of fingers on your two hands may be just as correctly expressed by the figures one 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 two one three one four or one five as by the figures one zero a truism perfectly familiar to everyone acquainted with the generalizations of higher arithmetic yet it is uphill work to make the matter quite clear to a beginner we may wisely therefore give our children at first an arbitrary rule for notation we give them an equally arbitrary rule for addition they accept these rules and work upon them and learn thereby the practical operations of arithmetic the theory will follow in due time when perfectly familiar with the practice and the forms of arithmetic and sufficiently mature in intellect they awaken gradually and surely and almost without an effort to the beautiful logic which underlies the science how do we learn language in childhood is it not solely on authority and by example a child who lives in a family where no language is used but that which is logically and grammatically correct will learn to speak with logical and grammatical correctness long before it is able to give any account of the processes of its own mind in the matter or indeed to understand those processes when explained by others in other words practice in language precedes theory it should do so in other things the parent who should take measures to prevent a child from speaking its mother tongue except just so far and so fast as it could understand and explain the subtle logic which underlies all language would be quite as wise as the teacher who refuses to let the child become expert in practical reckoning until it can understand and explain at every step the rationale of the process who will not suffer a child to learn the multiplication table until it has mastered the metaphysics of the science of numbers and can explain with the formalities of syllogism exactly how and why seven times nine makes sixty-three these illustrations have carried me a little perhaps from my subject but they seemed necessary to show that i am not beating the air i have feared lest in our very best schools in the rebound from the exploded errors of the old system we have unconsciously run into an error in the opposite extreme my positions on the particular point now under consideration may be summed up briefly as follows one in developing the faculties we should follow the order of nature two the faculties of memory and faith should be largely exercised and cultivated in childhood three while the judgment and the reasoning faculty should be exercised during every stage of the intellectual development the appropriate season for their main development and culture is near the close rather than near the beginning of an educational course four the methods of reasoning used with children should be of a simple kind dealing largely in direct intuitions rather than formal and syllogistic five it is a mistake to spend a large amount of time and effort in requiring young children formerly to explain the rationale of their intellectual processes and especially in requiring them to give such explanations before they have become by practice thoroughly familiar with the processes themselves end of chapter five